This shit is like the Panama Papers of podcasts. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to the first Young Fabian podcast of 2020 where we will be analysing both the leadership and the deputy leadership contest. We'll be looking at who are the candidates really going into a deep dive for what they stand for, what will really be the big issues uh, when they come to be elected in March. Is the deputy leadership already over? Is the leadership contest already over? And in order to discuss that we have myself, Mark and Carolina, who are regulars on the podcast, and you'll recognise all of our dulcet tones, but we also have a newbie joining us in the studio today, self-described as a pod virgin before coming on air. (laughs) Alex, introduce yourself. Hello everyone, I'm Alex, I am a uh, Young Fabian member, and for my faults an employment solicitor. And as accurately described, I am a pod virgin, so this is my first time, so please go easy on me, guys. Well, wanker. <laughs> I can help it. It's okay, I was going to say we won't be too rough, but you got the joke first. Anywho, so do we want to start on deputy leadership or leadership? Ooh. Is the deputy leadership campaign like still running? Are people still bothering, or are we just calling it quits now? I, I mean, mean, the thing is that, to be fair, as much as it, as much as it's just one one horse contest, like Rosina Ali Khan is making a, a who, by the way, wrote a piece for the young She did, yeah. She's doing fucking everything that anyone wants Great. to do. She's doing Twitter Q and A's. She's yep. getting around. I mean. What's interesting is people people obviously went a bit mad for us, you know, because of the the election uh, Love Actually video. Loads of people uh, that went like viral online. Yeah, and then Boris Johnson stole it. Ripped through like ripped through like politics Twitter. Um, But then her launch video sucked, man. Like her launch video was so hackneyed, and like her talking to the camera. I mean, yeah, she's got the stethoscope and that, but it was proper like. Hi, I want to be your deputy leader. Are you not excited oh. for the Ministry of Fabulousness? Ministry of Fabulousness? No, I'm not <laughs> excited for the Ministry of Fabulousness, no. Um, shall we Shall we say who is in the running still for the de- uh, deputy leadership? Angela Rayner. Angela Rayner. Angela Rayner. Angela Rayner's mum. Angela Rayner. Angela Rayner. Oh, and Richard Bergen. Oh, <laughs> my God. So, I mean, Richard Bergen did... has just been recommended by United this evening. So has he really? Yeah, yes. they, re- they recommended RLB Christ and Richard on a fucking so. mic. Actually, can I Are take this on a very quick detour? Which is, does anyone have any particularly strong opinions on the fact that basically no Labour organisation actually bothered to ballot their members in this leadership election? No, no, no trade unions. Yeah, no, well, not just trade unions, but also, like, for example... Chinese for Labour did about their members when they decided yeah. to support Lisa Nandy. Um, uh, Sarah, the Environment Network, didn't bother to about their members, or at least so far as I can see. No, yeah, Young Labour didn't either. Yeah. Uh, nobody asked me if I wanted Wild to endorse Rebecca Long Bailey. Um, I think the interesting one has got to be Momentum because they've they've long backed open selection for uh, you know, MPs for the general election mm. and yet when it comes to leadership elections there's no there's not no open selection there it was do you agree with our choice? Oh, yeah. but I this mean, is this is the key thing this is what makes the momentum situation even more embarrassing is that is that you could you could make the argument from the perspective of these other organisations that we mentioned that it's not feasible to ballot all members because it would cost too much to do it properly yeah. and, and it's just not, they can't do it. So if they, if they can't do it, then therefore they should just go ahead and, 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 and endorse, right? Like, I don't entirely agree with that because I think, like, if you can't, if you can't ballot the members, like, and you're, like, YL or something, then you shouldn't, you shouldn't. Exist in an organisation. You certainly shouldn't fucking endorse and then be like, oh, and we're going to campaign for, for, for Becky Longbilly. But Momentum made itself look like such a load of cocks because what they actually did was, they arranged a ballot yeah. and like were obviously able to do so in that and then put out the most embarrassing ballot in the world that was like, will, will you be signing up to fucking Pravda or not? Like, well, I mean, particularly for the, the, the group that, you know, has been championing party democracy. I mean, it's... Um, can't yeah, be really it's like the height of irony. So, just as a, as a... Just to clarify, if anyone's been switched off of this, can't blame you, it's really boring, we've got Angela Rayner, Angela Rayner, uh, Don Butler, Rosina Allen Khan, Dr. Rosina Allen Khan, 
Indeed. Richard Bergen. Somebody made a meme of him Richard as Bergen. Bergen, Bergen King. Bergen, Bergen King. Wow. Bergen King. What the Original. Fuck? Yeah, exactly, right? Anyway, horrendous. And uh, anyone else? Ian Murray. Ian Murray. Ian Murray. Indeed, because the only MP left in Scotland... The last MP of Scotland. The last do, MP do, of the... Do you know what I was shocked to learn? I didn't remember. Someone, someone was posting like as an MP in Scotland. And it's pretty hard to remember. <laughs> well, the, 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 new, the new thing is, like, so if you remember, like, before the leadership election, the thing was, like, did you or did you not, like, vote for uh, the, the benefits uh, reforms uh, during yeah. the... The Corbyn election. That was like the, the purity test for people. And the new purity test is like, did you did you resign from the shadow cabinet yes, and during is. the twenty sixteen coup yeah. or did you or did you not? And if you did, like when did you do it and so on. And I, I and there was like a graphic that someone put up that was like the the whole shadow cabinet that time. And Ian Murray was in that fucking shadow cabinet. Like yeah. I was like fucking it's hard to believe that Ian Murray was ever in a shadow cabinet with Jeremy Corbyn. Like yeah. like even like, you know, even though that was like pre Everything that happened, like I was like, I was like, was he Shadow Scotland? He must have been, like, because really I just saw him on this graphic. He must have been Shadow Scotland. He probably was the only Scottish MP at that. He was the only so. Scottish MP at that. Yeah. Time. So yeah, like I was like, but then of course he resigned you know, because, like, you know, but um, yeah, that was like, you know, obviously quite a lot of people were like uh, banging on about how um, having like this is this is being leveled quite quite a lot at least in Andy, um, uh, or is the is the she was one of the people who not only resigned but. Uh, then, like, Chair Owen's Smith's campaign and, uh, you know, has basically been not shown the requisite amount of loyalty to Jeremy, so, mm. yeah. By the way, is Ian Lavery still standing for anything? No, Ian Lavery just randomly pipes up where absolutely no one... He was like, I'm here. He is the no definition. your place, man. Stand down from the election. <laughs> I'm not sure if that was Liverpool, not Caribbean. <laughs> and I tried to decide what that was more like. <laughs> This pod has now been hosted by Ant and Dead. Fantastic. That's right. He's not, he's not from Liverpool, he's from Newcastle. Oh, no, this is like a nightmare. Um, I so, I mean, Ian Lavery is like the definition of that meme of, you know, nobody, semicolon, and a blank space. Ian Lavery. I'm thinking of running for Labour. Right. The thing about Ian Lavery is, I mean, all this bullshit about saying, oh, you know, Kishno's place, we need a woman in charge of the party. He would have been in charge of the party if he could get enough people to support him. Yeah. But the problem was, everyone thought he was a fucking idiot. Yeah. And therefore, nobody backed him. But he'd have been the first one in the queue if he'd had enough support from his other MPs. And so then to say, well, actually, I think, you know, Keir should back down, just smacks of hypocrisy. I think, I think it's quite clear that Len McCloskey won another, another candidate and, mm. and didn't, end up, didn't end up getting it. Because I think... That there is a lot of, the, I mean, the Corbyn, the Corbyn coalition, the, the coalition of people who, who kept Jeremy Corbyn in power and who and who supported Corbyn, is a coalition which no longer can hold together. Yeah. Uh, without Jeremy Corbyn, and one part of that is that like, Len McCloskey and John Landsman don't exactly see eye to eye about things, and you know. They're the, the mad cranks on the internet who are like they won't support Rebecca Long Bailey because they just like she's obviously I mean she didn't John Landsman is her like Mossad handler and like you know therefore Whoa. like she cannot be supported. Really? These people exist. Like, yeah, yeah, no, sure. yeah. I had even had... loads of them. Like these are part of the, like again like these are part of the Corbyn coalition. Like she doesn't have the same mad attack dogs of Twitter because these people are like the, the anti semites like don't want to support her. Um, but it's the same it's as, kind as, of as a, a, it's kind of a blessing for ROV I, I, I do want to make a very quick point and then ask a question to the rest of you which is I personally find it very interesting that Corbyn hasn't endorsed anyone like every person no no legitimately does he know that every, he's toxic like Britney no I think actually I couldn't disagree with you more about the toxicity point the thing is people I think for a long time in the Labour Party have assumed that it, there's this big Corbyn art project and it's not actually true. There are a bunch of people who are very loyal to Corbyn, yeah. but we see have actually struggled to translate that into supporting other supposed Corbynite candidates. Mm. And the thing is, is that people say Jeremy Corbyn's endorsement would mean nothing or would be toxic, but it would only be toxic for the people who aren't going to vote Rebecca Long Bailey anyway. 
But well, I, think, I think the thing is, though, that what's mm-hmm. interesting is I don't think it would be toxic. This is my, I, I, I would take on this is that I don't think it would be toxic because what we see at the moment is every single candidate is falling over themselves to talk about how how basically good Jeremy Corbyn was and to not slag off Jeremy Corbyn. Like, like, like Lisa and Andy has gone out of her way to be really super nice about Jeremy Corbyn. Keir has not has not been critical mm. of him in any way, shape, or form. RFP oh. has obviously contributed to Corbyn. Like, there's there, the, people. It's perceived wisdom is that it's not a good way to win over Labour members in this race mm. to slide off Corbyn. Well, clearly, I mean, Jeremy's obviously you know there's, a, there's an important issue at hand, and Jeremy's thought that the only policy to you know unite the country is for him to remain completely <laughs> neutral um, <laughs> and not take an opinion. But I'm, I'm, but I think I, I agree with your point. I mean, it, it's not toxic because there are vast swathes of the membership who joined because they are Jeremy Corbyn supporters, and therefore what he says has has power. But I think going you know going to your point about the the candidates falling over themselves to uh, you know not criticise him. I mean, I think that's partly just uh, survival, trying to survive in the race because yeah, they know to get a coalition of voters in the party together to win this race, they're going to have to persuade all of those people who did join the party to support Jeremy to vote for them. Yeah. And it's why, no, you know, Kia, like, There's I a long tradition in the, in the left of not trying not to do negative campaigns, right? They know that it's a race to the bottom. They know it. No, wait, 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 wait. Let's back the fuck up. Do we really need to give him ten out of ten? I think is the big question. No, exactly. I mean, but that, like, that obviously that was Becky Longbilly, and that was her, like you know. And that Just was, made she made the wrong call. It was a stupid question. She I think, but I think she like she she you know yeah. But that's like everybody already already assumed that Becky is Corbyn you and she is. Like I mean, the thing is, but, the, the thing is really so, important to understand about this is that is that people. Who's so around Jeremy Corbyn, like the the quote again, like I was referring to the coalition rather than the project because I don't think they had the structure of a project. I think there is a coalition of people who kept Jeremy Corbyn in, in place who had different aims who were able mm. to, you know, coalesce that around Corbyn. There has been a long it could be because standing. there was always a personality project, not a policy project. But I think there's, there's been a long standing uh, with these people, they're, they're going back like maybe like two two or more years, probably at least two years, there's been a, a perception that Rebecca Long Bailey was to be the mm. the next the next person up, that was to be the, the, the anointed successor. So after Laura Pickcock lost the same. Well yeah, that's the thing, right? Exactly. So like there, there was there was periods where they cycled through other people, right? So so there was a period where Angie Rayner was thought of as potentially being better than Becky, right? And then but ultimately it was decided that Rayner was like a potential playwright, uh, like a, like she wasn't to be trusted, basically, right? And, and so Becky was I'm like, not even sure. So I, I will want to hear the rest um, of this point. But um, I have got I've got uh, YouGov facts about the deputy leadership. So I think these have been quite interesting. YouGov has put on has put out a bunch of stats about both the deputy and the the Labour leadership campaigns. So on uh, the deputy leadership, Angela Rayner gets fifty seven percent votes. Richard Bergen fifteen percent. Who are these people? Dawn Butler, twelve percent. Rosanna Allencan, eight percent. Ian Murray, eight percent. You would notice, by the way, that I am very unwilling to criticise any of the candidates apart from Richard Bergen. I mean, so <laughs> there were two things that I did. I thought that was worth pointing out in this broader discussion. Mm. You go back to recently ran polling uh, on who was the most popular Labour leader in history. So they listed all of them. Now, I can, I can bring one, up the... No, no, no. Unlike last time I came on this podcast, I actually learned the statistics from the right year time. As you will all remember, he absolutely fucked that one up. <laughs> uh, and two things. One, 25% of Labour activists did not know who Clement Attlee was. Yeah. 26%. When that many people don't know... By the way, I'm telling you now, turn off of this podcast if you don't think one of Clement Attlee or Howard Wilson was the best Prime Minister that Britain ever had. They were beyond... Here, 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 they were here, beyond here, Tony's here. 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 I don't think you guys quite <laughs> no, understand. Clem Attlee is in God's here. Right? Um, the guy who's and, so, and so that was quite interesting. I think it's interesting that actually... For a Labour Party that prides itself on its history, we're not necessarily as in touch with it as we would like to think we are. Yeah, so I'll include, by the way, I'll include the, the link, because it's super interesting, I'll include the link in the podcast notes, in order, and this is somewhat unsurprising because, you know, the makeup of the Labour Party has been very influenced by Jeremy Corbyn itself, but the most popular leader of all time, according to current members, is Jeremy Corbyn, with 71%, 
Ed Miliband on seventy percent. John Smith. I well, don't know how well, I mean, the, 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 the way that the way that the question is phrased yeah. is, that, is that is that who is the person which leader elicits the most favourable response? So yeah. like, is not they've not asked people who would you rank as the greatest leader of all time? And, they've and come so up with presumably, Carmen. yeah. So presumably, it's like a ranked. The, um, the question yeah. here for me is right. Seventy-one percent of the members. Mm. still have a favourable view of Jeremy Corbyn, which I find absolutely fucking astonishing and quite frightening at this point. He clearly won the argument. But this, <laughs> but this beyond <laughs> dis- this, yes, but quite disturbing about this is that we are clearly in a situation where we're all talking about who's going to be the next leader and what we're going to do and like who, what, what might be changed. And like there's this general perception of, from the, the part of the Labour Party that I occupy that we just got to stop Rebecca Long Bailey and then we'll be able to climb, start climbing out of this fucking hole that we're in now. And it's like, but what will we get to the where will we get to the point where this other leader, be it like Keir Starmer or Lisa Nandy, is faced with a membership which is like seventy one percent still hmm. thinks that Jeremy Corbyn was fantastic. The point that I want to make is this is not new. We, for such a long time, because Tony Blair was in power and then Ed Miliband was in power at the yeah. head of the Labour Party, we have just assumed that the Labour activist base has had a fundamentally different characteristic to what it actually has. The reality that faces the Parliamentary Labour Party is that the Labour activists really are significantly to the left of it. Well, that was massively changed when Corbyn took over. I mean, there was a massive influx of in uh, members uh, after Corbyn took over, and that has fundamentally shifted the party to the left. Uh, by the way, which, by the way, a lot of the people that voted Jeremy Corbyn as the most favourable or, or their favourable uh, option, they might think that that is his legacy, that his legacy is widening the Overton window, turning it to, to the left, turning nationalisations into um, uh, into a, a proper national mainstream issue, t- turning loads of things that they think are really important. And we but, could actually, well, even like, look down and just say that we agree. Though, like, has he turned it into that? Like, people well, see yes, this, right? Look, Sorry, but people see this. All yeah. that's happened is that Labour Party has stood on a policy platform where they've said they've nationalised this, this, that, and the next thing, and lost twice, right? It's not as if the Conservatives are fucking talking about nationalising anything. Well, they are actually, because they're going to take some of the railway franchises back into state ownership. But is this a response to, like, is this a response to the... the, Has has Jeremy Corbyn driven the Conservative Party? I think there is an argument, and I'm I'm not a particularly big Corbyn supporter, but, you know, on this point, there is an (laughs) argument to say that ten years ago, there is no way the Tories would have considered, you know, making nationalising anything, anything <laughs> let alone three or four rail franchises. Yeah. But because we've shifted the argument, and because there has been a general positive perception of nationalising the railways, um, you know, the, the wider nationalisation project, questionable. But on this narrow point of the railways, that has shifted the window somewhat. I think the issue is, I mean, an issue about Jeremy Corbyn, the people saying that uh, you know, 71% still back him, is this means that the leadership campaign uh, campaigns now, the election, is still wide open. Because actually, I don't... You know, polls might say Keir's well ahead, uh, Angela Rayner's well ahead. But actually, come the votes coming in, there is a large chunk of the membership that could be swayed to vote Rebecca Long-Bailey and Richard Bergen because they are the seen as the, the Corbynist I, I think that you're also saying that Corbyn hasn't endorsed anybody. And I... I I, he obviously hasn't, but if the Rebecca Long Bailey can't get particularly desperate, I don't see it as being beyond him to put his hand on her head and say that she's the that she's the the one. By the way, I've I've legs. never I've never had any um uh any proof that Corbyn particularly likes Rebecca Long Bailey. I know that Rebecca Long Bailey has been close to Corbynites. But she's not close to him. She's McDonald's. She's yeah, but McDonald and Corbyn have not been particularly close over the last but, couple of years, uh, so I'm she's, not she's, sure. She's, I'm not actually She's actually, sure. she's, she's been around, like, Corbyn as well, like, since back, to, like, going back to, like, 2015. Okay. Like, she's, she's well, like, she, she's been well in that position. Like, it's only, like, I remember being aware of this for about two years, and some people saying to me, who were on the left, saying to me that, Rebecca Long Bailey. Oh, yeah. This was before I knew who Rebecca Long Bailey was, right? I didn't yeah. even, I never heard of this, this this individual, and they were like, she's the one that's going to take over from Jeremy. So I remember looking her up and being like, okay. And then all of a sudden, she began to be given 
Like, yeah, she was. She was just suddenly there. She was. She was. She, she, was, she, she was in PMQs. Yeah, she was in, she was in PMQs. She was taken to the Brexit the, meetings. Yeah, yeah. She was made a, a staple of. She was put on the debates and stuff like that. So like, all of a sudden, she became visible. Like the the thing about Rebecca Long Bailey is that like I mean, there's all kinds of things. For her. <laughs> the, the rumor that Landsman, her comms team, that, that he was like he was like Becky's not actually. He was like she's not the best candidate. She's not even the. The preferred candidate, but she's the candidate we've got. And By like, the way, up for a tidbit, um, Angela Rayner and Rebecca Longbailey share sure. flats wow. in London, and somebody famously said on Twitter, uh, the problem with Rebecca Longbailey is that she's not even the best leadership candidate in her own flat. Yeah. Um, which but you, but you can see, right, that people, have said, that people have said, why did the left not put Angela Rayner up as a candidate? Because she's clearly be better. But if you look at the, the way that the campaign group like has got behind Richard Bergen and the way that... United is getting behind Richard Bergen. There's a really strong thing on the left that they don't trust, and they don't. There's a lot of people who don't trust and don't like Andrew Rayner on the left. Mm. You believe that she's not a yeah. proper lefty, basically. By the way, you had takes on Don Butler because I'm conscious that we're still on on deputy leadership technique here. Sorry. No, that's all right. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, tangents are great, but I, I I am curious about your Don Butler hot take. Yeah. So the thing is, is... by the way, I have not seen anything of her campaign. I, so, I consider myself someone who's on on the Twitter. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So my predictions before any of the candidates had actually announced right. was I said that Angela Rayner would become leader and that Don Butler would become deputy leader. Ooh, all right. Uh, that was actually the line that I'd gone in with. It's even assuming that Keir Starmer had, had won. Yeah. Uh, and the reason for this was very, very simple. I'm genuinely amazed that uh, even the landsmanite section of momentum mm. favoured absolute ideological purity over sincere elect- electability. Mm. Let's be clear, so far as I'm concerned, the most electable Labour MP who is standing in the leadership of deputy leadership contest as of right now is Angela Rayner. That, that is the reason she is absolutely running away with okay. this deputy leadership We'll, we'll look at the polls later, which say something different, but yeah, sure. And so I expected that she probably would have beaten Kit. Uh, and I think what Momentum decided to do was they have become so obsessed. Uh, and, and this is as someone who is probably more Corbyn sympathetic as most people in the Fabians are. Mm. Uh, sorry, than most people in the Fabians are. Um, but what they have done is they've decided, well, we are absolutely obsessed with the preservation of the project. Mm. And this is why I think you're. I think Mark's right in actually describing it as a coalition, but I don't think they see it. No, they don't. They see it as a project. They see it as a project, mm-hmm. and so that they would rather support Richard Virgin, who is an absolute sock puppet, in the same way that Nicky Morgan was a sock puppet at education mm-hmm. for Michael Gove. Michael Gove had to be moved. Nicky Morgan is an intelligent woman. Yeah, but decided, <laughs> that, but decided that that was the role that she was I going to occupy. Uh, and, and she's still in government. Christ. And she's, and she's still there, and she's still surviving. But it's not, it's not it's about intelligence, it's about character. And Nicky Morgan is someone who's displayed having the character of someone who is willing to be uh, yeah. a, a creature of somebody else. If they were, if they, like, yeah. she did that many times. Like when she yeah. when she went and spoke for Boris Johnson and went after the things she said about him. And I agree. This is the thing about someone like Richard Bergen is that from the point of view of that, of the even like, it's like you say, there's like you've got the like the landsman left and then you've got the if you like the, the left which coalesces more around like Len McCloskey and that the people that wanted even Labour to run mm. but for all of them or Barry Gardner or but like well, we need I to know. go on that oh, so oh Barry and his Sorry, guys yeah. by the way what's, what was the thing about Don Butler being deputy because yeah. that I did not I did so, not see that so number one bookmark we are going to talk about Barry Gardner because <laughs> yeah. he's a shit and deserves to be talked about uh, Tyler really likes his ties I hate his ties I'm I hate I hate his sympathy with Narendra Modi. So you know, um, the thing that I wanted to say about Don Butler is the first time I saw Don Butler speak was for the I think it was the Socialists Against Austerity, okay, or or the campaign against austerity. I can't remember its exact name, but that was the first time I saw him speak. And the thing that automatically struck her, uh, struck me about seeing her speak, is that this would have been the opportunity. Mm. To give to lend some real history to what the Labour Party was hoping to do. Mm. Her Dawn Butler and Valerie Vaz really have been the trailblazers for mm. for for BAME women in mm. the Labour Party. 
And I thought that that... She's and, currently the shadow equalities... Uh, right. Director. Has done a very good job of it. I think was the first Bane woman to take a... To take a PMQ... Or to, uh, maybe not to take a... Speak the dispatch box, was, I think, yeah. was the specific record that she had. She's really... I mean, I've been following a bit of her campaign on Twitter. I've been following most of the campaigns on Twitter. There seems to be some real enthusiasm for her campaign right. on Twitter. And there was definitely a movement and a bit of momentum behind her. Not the uh, John Landsman momentum, but, you know, a little bit of momentum behind her campaign. And the problem is, is that, you know, let's be clear, Angela Rain is going to win this. It's not, it's not even <laughs> yeah. a race anymore. If it, was, if it was a boxing match, the referee would have stopped it. Um, and that it's means like, that she's really now... And her, stop punching everyone else in the face. Well, exactly. I mean, it's, oh, it's just a, not a contest. But I think now... For the deputy leadership candidates, it's really about, you know, showing that they are capable of having a good position in the shadow cabinet and whoever wins the leadership contest. And for Dawn Butler now, this is a massive opportunity for her to show her credentials, potentially, I mean, even push the the shadow front bench. Mm. And that is something that all of the leadership candidates have got a chance to do now. And the deputy leadership candidates... My my take on this is that that if Keira Starmer wins... Um, something I'd like to discuss at some point, actually, I'd like to hear your opinions on who Keir Starmer would make his shadow chancellor were he to win. Um, but Super cool question. <laughs> the, Keir Starmer's whole campaign being based around uh, like bringing unity and that sort of thing, would, would in my opinion, it would behoove Keir to have a, a shadow cabinet made up of people from different parts of the party. Yeah. I think that it would probably make sense for him to move Jess Phillips to Women and Equalities to give her a shadow ministerial brief. Yeah. Um, it would be an obvious one for her to do. She's got yeah. pedigree in it, and I think that would very much satisfy people in the party who support Jess Phillips. Please um, hire Mark as a chief of staff. <laughs> she should also, by the way, she should also just not be given anything more senior than that. No. There is, there is a lot. The thing to remember, and we will get on to why Jess. But then my question is, where does Don Butler go from? Because if you move, I don't think you can. I don't think you take Don Butler out of out of your shadow cabinet completely. But where does she go? The thing is, is so I, I actually had to think about this, and I think a potential landing spot is to take what is never an enjoyable position, but potentially to take shadow home secretary and to take the shadow home briefing. It's a massive briefing. It's though. it's a big brief, but I don't think it's, my, my point is is that it is. By the way. Like Home Secretary or Shadow Home Secretary is the ultimate shit sandwich in terms of ministerial. Yeah, if there's something position. worse than being Home Secretary is being Shadow Home Secretary. Yeah, there is. I mean, surely, I mean, this is a, is you know thinking about uh, how we're going to go forward. Think about how we're going to oppose the current Tory government. Holding Pretty Patel to account as Home Secretary yeah. has got to be one of the most important things that we yeah. do because she's yeah. one of the weakest members of yeah. Johnson's cabinet. But she's and also shameless. But she's also really shameless. Why, why is it not a Cooper? You tell me why it's oh, not. No. I'm, I'm going to tell you why it's not going to be a Cooper because your Cooper is going to be Shadow Chancellor. Mm. Interesting. That is, that is where your Cooper should land. And I will tell you exactly Do we think that why. she's had that conversation already? I, I reckon the moment Keir Star, if Keir Starmer wins, which by the way I'm not saying is a certainty, I'm saying it's a statistical likelihood as mm-hmm. of us recording at the moment. I'll read, I'll um, read the stats in a sec. But the thing to remember is this. Given that Pretty Patel is Bane, she has a weapon that she can use against white shadow home secretaries, which is... I am BAME, I'm the person who is, and my community is disproportionately impacted by these policies. What you say is invalid. Yeah. So the reality is, is, one way or another, cynically thinking, or I think quite legitimately thinking, I think that ought to be BAME rep, uh, representation at the Shadow Home Brief. Mm. And that is either going to be um, Dr. Rosalind Allen Khan, who honestly should be in, in Shadow Health Brief because she's very good she's at it. She's really good. By the way, people forget she still practices as a doctor. Yeah. Which I think is genuinely super impressive to combine Amazing. that with being a member of parliament. Yeah. Um, I, I have, however, heard from many a constituent that she isn't very engaged locally. So it, there may be the, the reason why she's able to do this stuff. She's not. She's in a very safe seat and she just... 
maybe doesn't so, really feel the heat to But with the greatest will in the world, with the greatest will in the world, do we, do we care off. if they're taking a shadow ministerial brief? They're not going to be engaging with their constituency yeah. anyway. I guess, well, uh, I mean, the Theresa May, like, I mean, religiously going to be... Interesting question. So if, we, if, we, if we're thinking, you know, about shadow, central shadow cabinets, and we are getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, where does Lisa, where, <laughs> no, where does Lisa Nandy fit? I've, I've, new, new I job, ministry for fucking towns. <laughs> I'm not even joking though. Like I know that like all the means and that, but for real, like you just have like, well, like regional development. Just or, like, this, or, yeah, you but just you not, create not this position. More seriously, it could be that I so I, I you create the town thing as an acronym for the transformation. Like, why not? Why not? So the thing um, is, is, outer maybe it's regional. Worth me running through what I think. If if a Keir Starmer or Lisa Nandy mm. uh, leadership took up, I think the following are going to end up. So I think it was the New Statesman. I'm not absolutely certain. Positive mm. for people who could potentially become um, shadow chancellor. They were John McDonnell under Rebecca Long Bailey. Yeah, likely. Uh, it would be Rachel Reeves under Lisa Nandy. Yeah. And Ooh. if Keir Starmer shows up, one of Yvette Cooper or Ed Miliband. Now, Ed Miliband on the basis of it sounds completely ridiculous. I don't think he's actually going to end up there. But the fact that he's even in the conversation shows how much he has rehabilitated his image off the back of what I would say is quite a good podcast. I was literally going to say, Ed, we would love to do a call-out. Just hit me up. Ed, we'll chat to you. (laughs) I also say this. He was grafting for Cure very early on. He was, yeah. he was, yeah. he was, he's been yeah. on the, he's been on the cure train working, working the situation since, mm. the, since like way back. Yeah. Is he, is he a shadow home secretary? No. No, I don't think so. I think if you put I him mean, in. I mean, I'm sorry, is, is Ed Miliband in the shadow cabinet? Yeah, I just, no, no, no. I, I, I would, 100%. I would put Ed Miliband. He's going in an environment. But, but not, you go yeah, back yeah, yeah. all brief. Not, yes. not on something 100%. like that, like not on Shadow Chancellor, because he you would be brilliant. You wouldn't want to see Ed Miliband every, like, every day again, like, like mm. on, on the news and shit. Like, they, they definitely happy to see Ed Miliband. In some sort yeah, of in a shadow and brief, and it's good that he's still around in that. Great. I mean, the other problem that you have ultimately is like then this has been talked about this being addressed is that is that Jeremy Corbyn needs to like mm. to, to essentially like not be in Parliament after after all this is done because it's going to be Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah, I, I, I doubt I doubt he will leave. But, well, but yeah. I've heard that he will. I've heard that he is going to resign. It doesn't matter. Like this discussion. Huge, by the way. No, this discussion is basically irrelevant. And I'll tell you why this discussion is basically irrelevant. Boundary changes. Boundary changes have yeah. fundamentally changed the face of Islington. Are they going to happen And before, still? they were worried that Emily Thornbury would have to step down from her seat. Yeah. Or Diane Abbott would have to step down from her seat. The simple resolution to the new Conservative boundary changes is Jeremy Corbyn steps down. Mm. But what about so actually, I think his route out of Parliament because of the boundary changes is made... Pretty easy. But what mm. about the new ministry for allotments? Who's going to be the shadow minister for that? I mean, I mean Jeremy Corbyn surely would be head of the list for the those ministry. Uh, people forget, by the way, that uh, <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn, in theory, could take up a position in the House of Lords. Okay. It's a tradition which he has not, not been it. recently take been it. taken. But leaders of all political parties do have an automatic recommendation the thing, the thing to is, the House of Lords, which you may not take. Also, people also yeah. forget though. People also forget that if you think about Corbyn, people are like, "Well, if Corbyn would want to stay and be a constituency MP because he always bangs on about how much he loves being a constituency MP." Yeah, but Corbyn and was he's actually a good MP. He's he was, always been he was considering quitting being an MP like the year before that he he was he was put forward for the leadership. He's he, not a young man. Actually, he's seventy-one. He wanted to quit and write his memoirs. Right, the yeah. guy has been fucking collecting things that he's written down for years, and I cannot oh, wait to hear. The insights and shit that Jeremy Corbyn has been I, writing. Oh, I bet gonna... these insights are tremendous. I bet he's thought very, very deeply and and, 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 and very and very much very much not just looked at things through the lens of anti-imperialism. But we'll see <laughs> when the book is released. Anyway. Going back to what you said before about shadow cabinets, what I think is really interesting is Rebecca Locke Bailey. 
I mean, she has to decide whether she wants to be the continuity Corbyn candidate or not. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, saying so, I'm the not way, co- continuity Corbyn, yeah, having yeah. John McDonnell as Chancellor, Diane Abbott as Home Secretary, Owen so, Seamus Milne doing my communications, yeah. hardly yeah. says, oh, I'm making a break. And we were talking about potential landing spots for shadow cabinet ministers mm. uh, before we went. The last point that I want to make about shadow ministerial positions is that if someone who isn't Rebecca Long Bailey wins, do you reckon the other two candidates are going to give her a senior shadow yes. minister? Well, I mean, I have heard of this now. Here's, here's the problem with Rebecca Long Bailey if you're here and you have to. How long have we got? Well, <laughs> You have to find something to do with Rebecca Long Bailey because you're Keir Starmer and you've decided that you have to keep her within the within the fold, right? The problem is that where Rebecca Long Bailey is sitting in her in her position uh, as as a shadow business minister in charge of industrial strategy and that the only real way up for her is a shadow chancellor. Like it's, it's it's very hard to move her across. Surely move her across <clears throat> to justice, though. Correct. This is you the good take. Move her across to justice. The, cor- the correct take is if Keir Starmer wins, mm-hmm. he will have. Who's, who's a justice secretary at the moment? Richard Burke. <laughs> 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 I mean, so, I mean uh, our new Labour leader for so the you, board, I mean, you, have get, you do have to get rid of her. No, no, I meant so actual like, shadow, uh, actual um, justice secretary. Oh, uh, good, good talking. Genuinely, have no idea. Who'd mm. be shadow justice in the new? Um, that is a really tricky question. I don't, no, 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 as in I don't know who the actual Justice, Justice Secretary is. Oh, Justice the new Justice Secretary is um, Robert Buckland. Very uh, good, QC. Very, very good. good. He's yeah. a QC, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, by the so way... You know, spoiler, I am a solicitor. If I didn't know that, it would be quite worrying. And, and the thing is, right, we, Robert Buckland, if I'm not mistaken, was the that shit thing. That, the, you know, you've got, like, you got like, what Jeffrey Cotter is, and then you've got like the shadow barrister. Oh right! Yeah, yeah. the shadow solicitor, solicitor general, right? version of the main of the thing. <laughs> that's I mean, what you know. that's what Buckland was. I'm pretty sure, right? Mm-hmm. We have our own, uh, like Nick Thomas Simmons is our shadow, shadow solicitor, general. shadow shit justice, and he is like he's dull as fuck, but he's really like like straightforward, and, and he like, ticks the Welsh box. And he, yeah, exactly. So I mean, you True. could just be like justice. Is is boring and like Rebecca Long Bailey's experience as a solicitor working on PFI does not qualify her to be shadow justice secretary. So therefore, Nick Thomas Simmons and Rebecca Long Bailey. No, I mean, what I think would be amazing is just to keep Rebecca Long Bailey in the job that she does now, and basically just to be like your job. No, is that would sell. require that would require some level of like deep economic literacy. Like she just simply does not have. And by the way, I'm, I'm trying not to say that in a harsh way. I think if we are going to win the next election, it has to be every single person up in the comparison between shadow cabinet and actual government holder has to be beating them every single ministerial questions that we have. And by the way, God, I would, shadow justice. I, I don't feel that bad about Rebecca Long Bailey at, at shadow justice. Like yeah, she hasn't said anything cranky. She hasn't said anything completely ridiculous. Maybe not self-aware. But also, she's also a barrister, right? She's sister. She's I mean, sister. I mean, the thing is, this is the interesting thing about Rebecca Long Bailey. She keeps playing the "I'm working class" card. I'm sorry, you're a commercial solicitor for Christ's sake. That's like saying the Queen is just about middle class. Once you become a solicitor, you have to give up your working class roots. And I, I don't get me wrong; she's got working class roots. I'm not denying that. But she's not still in the working class. It's ridiculous. Well, I think, I think she, so this is my take on, on some of the things people have been saying recently. The team RLB, if you're in, if you're in team in Rebecca Long Bailey, you're, you're, you're losing, right? And you didn't expect to be losing at this point. Like, the, the whole contest was supposed to be engineered so that Rebecca Long Bailey, starting off with the league, would be able to survive the campaign and, and become leader. You're now in this position where you're not winning and, mm. you, and this is a problem, right? What can you play off of, right? Okay. Um, what's, what has Becky got going for her that, that an obvious identifier? She does have a regional accent, right? She's got a very regional accent in comparison to your Starmer. Get her on the doesn't, Right? So then you can be like, Becky and Billy can be like, I'm, I'm working class in a way which is more easily identifiable and, mm. and, and sort of rela- and not relatable, but like you can easily be in your head that, okay, yeah, she, she's from working class background. If she hammers that point, She's a woman. hoping to produce some gains from that. I mean, this is the same thing about, like, people are talking about that 
they've been attacking her, or not her team, but like out, sort of outriders on, on some social media have been attacking Lisa Anthony, and they're saying, oh, that's not very, um, it's not very much in the spirit of things to do that. But the thing is, they're down and they need to do things to try and get back mm. up. Like, from my point of view, if I was them, like, their, their position isn't getting any better. Like, the fact that, that Jess Phillips has come out of the race, yeah. and the fact that the race is getting smaller isn't doing them any favours at the moment, because they, ultimately, they do want a polarised contest, but at mm. the moment, they need other candidates to be taking votes off here. Because Rebecca really has this, like, this, she has this set of people who are going to vote for her, mm. right? But outside of that, they're, 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 and then there are Keir Starmer is falling into people's gradings and like people who are like, I'd like Lisa Nandy to be leader, but you know what? I could live with Keir Starmer. Yeah. Nobody, nobody who is not really convinced that Rebecca Long really should be leader it wants to live in a world in which she is. So she's nobody's yeah. like, she's nobody's second. Like, yeah, so uh, by the way, by the way, so this is two, two weeks ago, um, you got Paul, uh, Keir Starmer. This is a, they did a sort of like um, six rounds, right? Like it's sort of eliminating everyone. Um, Keir Starmer thirty six percent. This is on round one. Rebecca Long Bailey twenty three percent. Jess Phillips on twelve percent. We'll get on to her. Uh, a potential Yvette Cooper when she was still in the running eight um, percent. I know this has aged very quickly. Clive Lewis eight percent. Emily Thornberry seven percent. And Lisa Nandy six percent. Which is really interesting because it has shown that it's not just a popularity context you have to be very good at strategy you have to know I how do. to win un- unions right like and listen andy had a strategy i just achieved it she's got a big Towns. union a media union Towns. i legit want to pick brains because i'm mm. not quite sure how i actually think this will play out so mm. two things and the first thing i'll ask the remaining three people of the podcast is do we think every Thornberry is actually going to make the final ballot I don't think so. No. So you got, I, no, I think no, she might. So might. let's remind let's remind everyone what the requirements are because this hasn't been mentioned in any other podcast. Mm. So, um, the, so so the thing to remember, to big union, right? Is that you need three large affiliated organisations yeah. within the Labour Party, At least two of which have to be unions. Yes, I think. yeah. I believe I believe there's some union sub requirement, but like that detail doesn't matter. All we need to know is that Keir Starmer has already met it. And that Lisa Nanny has already met it with the endorsement. And Rebecca Long Bailey has as well. And Rebecca Long Bailey has. And it looks almost certain that Emily Thornberry is not going to meet the final ballot requirement through that channel. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Which then relies on her meeting the constituency requirement, which I believe is 10% of the total constituencies in the United Kingdom and Northern Ireland. I've so heard it's five. It's, it's, five. Five. it's, it's five percent, thirty-three. Yeah. It's thirty-three constituencies. Oh, goodness. Yes. I can't do basic math. Thirty-two was the number I was about to say in my head. I just couldn't calculate. I think 30, <laughs> two, thirty-three is the number. Yeah. I mean, so Emily's on about seven or eight at the moment. And uh, uh, is that um, uh, that's, no, no, that's that's generous. I think she's on. Five. Yeah, she's on less than that. Yeah, well, I five. Thought, didn't she win nah, three Lisa, last night? Lisa, last I looked, Lisa and Rebecca Long Bailey were about tying on about eight. Mm-hmm. And also, he has already qualified. He's already qualified he's from the affiliate. But he's qualified for both routes because he's just, you know, uh, smashing it so far. So, to point out, what's interesting to note is that I'm not sure Emily Thornberry's own constituency will come out with an endorsement. Yeah, I think you're right. But yeah. I've heard that there is a potential for Emily Thornberry not to get endorsed in her own seat. I didn't think that she had trouble in her own CLP. I knew that she had been forced into the second referendum policy uh, because of her CLP, but I didn't know that they were against her. So it's not that they're against her, right? But the thing is... I don't want to presume for other campaigns, but I assume Keir's campaign is hacking pretty hard to make sure that no other candidate wins endorsements and seats. There is a very clear reason mm. why they are going out... And making sure that every single seat endorses Shrewdly, by the way. Very, very well-run company. It's not out of need, because they've already made it. But it's it, they recognise that every vote making the final ballot is an unambiguous challenge to Keir Starmer's leadership. There is no world so in similar. which Keir Starmer yeah. is better off by every vote. It's also momentum. It's also about, and again, non-John Landman momentum. The, the, you know, the momentum in the traditional sense... 
that you know you get from winning those CLPs. It shows that you're popular. It shows that you have the confidence of the party, you know, across the country. It's and just repeated wins as well. Like yeah. Every time you get another CLP, you stick it on Twitter, you add it to the list. It, it, it starts it's, to look... It, I mean, the thing is, like, right, Cure's yeah. campaign is by far and away the best organised campaign for an internal Labour Party election that I have seen. Right? He's got... In, the, in that room, in that campaign, you've got Simon Fletcher, yep. you've got Cat Fletcher, you've got Matt Pound. Cat Fletcher's right? good. These are, these, are, these are people with very different politics than Labour Party, all of whom understand very, very well the internal... Yeah. workings and the ways to effectively campaign within the Labour Party. Like, yeah. the, like when you, But the thing is, what, going to your point about the, coming from different parts of the Labour Party, that is a massively clever ploy in that he's pulling together different parts of the party he's and taking to expertise. He's, he's saying, do you know what? I don't care what faction you belong to. I'm picking you for your expertise. And we have not been but doing that's that also really so effective. Long. I agree with that. And it's also, but what's really effective about it is, is that, right, if you're Keir Starmer and it's like, you want Matt Pound to come on board from Labour First, right? Well, what's the what's the basic organising principle? What's the basic point of Labour First? Just fucking stop Corbynism. That's all it is. It's like, just make Corbynism stop, right? In every avenue, where, whether it's saving people who are on the soft left, yeah. I mean, these I would say there's a Labour First. Even if, if they were, like, if they were, if I completely disagreed with everything they did, I would still acknowledge that they are. But the oh, good what they do. in yeah. politics. But what's efficient. even more important about it is that is that if you're Matt Pound, you're and you're there, and your purpose is like let's just make Corbynism, let's just stop the effects of Corbynism, make it stop, right? Make the fucking project, the thing, whatever, make it stop. Like Keir Starmer is able to offer you a route that you believe is a viable route to that, whilst at the same time mm-hmm. appealing enough to people who did believe in the Corbyn project. Yeah. To be there, like at the moment, Keir Starmer is capturing the imagination of what they could see as being a, a Labour Party mm-hmm. they could live with of people who absolutely fucking hate Corbynism and people who pretty yeah. much help to bring it. I, think, it's, so I think we'll see yeah. as, as the effect. election goes on. I think we'll see Keir attack more to the left because actually yeah. he doesn't he's need smart. he doesn't need to appeal to the right of the party because he's already got them because he's you know he he's is not. the leader of the anyone but yeah. RLB mm-hmm. group. But yeah. I think the problem, the thing is that he needs to appeal to, and you look at it, you know, his Lisa launch Lally video. Well yeah, yeah, no, I agree with appeal to the left. I agree with Caroline on this. Mm. I don't actually think that's as true as I, I see a lot of Fabian support for Lisa Nandy, for yeah, example. But she, so, she, but and none of that, none of that Fabian's are her of the second, right. You know, people vote for Lisa Nandy. It goes down to the the, the way we vote. Second choice will be Kia. Yeah, but people but people forget that second preferences in any distributed electoral system places a lesser weighting on it. It's irrelevant to have second weighting and Nandy Starmer if Rebecca Long Bailey has a clear lead. That's right. the thing which yeah, I think Labour activists need to understand. But this will, this will go down to a second, this will almost certainly go down to a second round. No. And, and well, well, that's I, I was going to say, like, I just, you, 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 you two you are got... correct in different situations. I think if it gets down to an RLB versus Keir Starmer final ballot, because um, it does need to get down to two, right? The final Only by the No, but one could win more than 50% and they just... Rebecca Long Bailey is yeah. not going to win more than fifty percent of the votes the, in the first. In, That's the, in the YouGov, in the, when YouGov redid their poll, they, they took their data and they reanalyzed it, taking Jess Phillips out after she dropped out of the race. Yeah. They had a final situation in which Emily Thornberry doesn't make the ballot, and you have and Kira wins in the first round with mm. over fifty percent of the vote. Really? And Rebecca Long Bailey is on like thirty something, and Lisa's got the rest. I agree with that, but how much? That's so, but that poll, I think, is going to end up being relatively dependent mm. on Lisa Nandy voters getting to the actual ballot itself and recognizing she's not in a position to win. And the reality, like it or not, is that all the momentum in terms of any candidate, smaller momentum, uh, there we go. Mm-hmm. is behind Lisa Nandy. It is. She is the person who has been. You're Most right. talked about. No, She's actually, cool. sorry. In the in the latest poll, um, Keir Starmer gets forty six percent. Rebecca Long really thirty two percent. But yeah, that still wins it to him for him, right? That's only yeah. No, yeah, but he yeah, would have it's only a, this. This poll is only if Emily Thornberry actually makes the ballot. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. So if Emily Thornberry doesn't make the ballot, 
um, then he wins. Uh, he, I think that's it. That's the point about yeah, Lisa yeah. Nandy. She's definitely got momentum. She, I mean, she has. Lisa Nandy. Well, she's she's I mean, No, no, little <laughs> M momentum. This oh, is right. This is the problem with naming a party after. I mean, I'm, also the, a beautiful world that is now kind of. Momentum have literally fallen into the apprentice trap of like <laughs> taking a slightly wanky word, calling <laughs> yourselves after it. Like, progress. That's another one. I mean, ignite. It's utterly ridiculous. But anyway, momentum <laughs> in the traditional sense. Just make of the up word. your word. Call yourself the unicorn party. Well, right? exactly. Just call yourselves the Jeremy Corbyn cheerleader. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're the Jeremy. We're the Blairites. We're the Corbynites. Like fucking stop with them. Stop. I don't like naming shit sh- after people. By the way, I should I, say I had just written an article saying we should end factionalism in the party. So <laughs> I will. Thank you, Drake. Can I? Can I? Shameless. Can I pick up on this a little bit? So I am interested in this as a concept coming out in leadership base is that I've had this discussion a little bit on WhatsApp groups where it's like, people have been like, I don't like to see this fact that they're seeing this stuff from like someone that's uh, an account supporting Rebecca on Bailey and it's being like very unpleasant about Lisa and saying that she's, you know, not, and the, the, the only socialist candidates are, are Rebecca on Bailey and Birmingham and that. And in response, I was like, I really can't wait to wipe the floor with these people, right? And then it was like, well, that's not very comradely. And I'm like, well, look, at this point, right, I'm going to tell you, right, these people, these people, uh, the, the, these people being, these people being, as far as I'm concerned, like if you're this, if you're the person behind this Rebecca Wambilia account, which is saying that like her and uh, Richard Burger yeah. are the only acceptable candidates, and everyone else is like, there's, there's been some pretty blah, blah, blah. nasty stuff from support accounts. I, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Yeah. Let's just, we know account. who these people are. We all fucking know who they are, right? There's, there's these block yeah. of people who have been in the ascendancy. And they and they are and their figureheads in, in actual existence in life who go beyond Twitter are people like Lara McNeil and and like Ooh. you know Ooh. girl I might cut this babe. but no 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 do not cut this but Lara McNeil has enough of a public social media presence that I think she deserves to be called out for the bullshit that I the problem is with internal Labour Party politics is all of us have been so focused on internal Labour Party politics yeah. the real politics is outside of the Labour Party and about how we win the next general election. Now, the problem is with factionalism, so if we're all fighting each other, slagging off Blair, slagging off Corbyn, everyone goes, you know what, the Labour Party are shit, because whether they believe you, whether you're, you know, Corbyn's a shit or Blair's a shit, they're going to believe that someone in Labour's a shit, and therefore we're not going to get voted for. Mm. Now, the thing about the Labour Party and where we can be most successful is if we bring it together. And I think I agree that, you know, there are factions within the party who I don't agree with, but there are a few things that we all agree on, and that is things like, our NHS, supporting our NHS, things like supporting public services. And that's what we need to bring together And in the leadership well, yeah, it's almost like It's almost like you need to not have a cult of personality and focus on policies, which is... Which is kind of a well, Fabian thing to say, isn't it? Fabian thing to say. Would you like to do it gradually as well? <laughs> <laughs> but I think the point, my point is, policies is that we have a lot yeah. more in common than that which actually divides us. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I'll get better. You're going to throw it. On that note, 